it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a disastrous game for the Kansas Jayhawks uh, against the TCU Horned Frogs. I'm going to be honest, this was not the episode I was planning on having today. Uh, the guest that I was really excited about was not able to make it, but we make do. I'll have him on at a different time because I think it's still something you guys want to talk about. So instead, gracious for him to jump on the podcast here to help pinch hit Derek Knoll, one of our... Uh, analyst over at Blue Wings Rising, so we can chat about this game today, and then I'll be talking in the second segment about the women's game that happened last night. Um, you know, as they get ready to wrap the season as well. But Derek, how you doing today? I'm doing okay. I wish we were coming off a of victory, let's say, but uh, yeah, doing okay. Beautiful weather here in Kansas City. Went outside and uh, spent some time with the wife playing some tennis. So you know, yeah, all in all, pretty good. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I. Uh, I definitely appreciate that the weather is much better now. It definitely is making, you know, that and the, uh, the upcoming home field release is making this week bearable after having to deal with Baylor over the weekend and then TCU on Tuesday. So speaking of that game, like it, what, what, uh, was the thing that hit you as the reason for that game? Like, th- does it come down to one thing or is there like just everything possible go wrong that could go wrong? It just seemed like so much was going wrong all at the same time. I mean, the shooting was poor. How many offensive rebounds did TCU have? A million? I mean, it seemed like every time they missed, they got their own board and, and had another chance. It just was a disaster. And and it started off so well. I mean, sort of the Baylor game, right? So who knows what's going on? At first it was, what, a couple of weeks ago, Kate couldn't close a game. Um, and now they start one pretty dang well. And then poof. I, it didn't seem like there was just one thing. It kind of seemed like it was a snowball effect yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and and kind of to your point, like it, it definitely TCU got got off to a hot start, but Kansas immediately answered, um, and then all of a sudden everything just didn't go their way at all. Now, to be fair, TCU does have the second best offensive rebounding rate in the entire country according to Ken Palm. Right. So, like, I think that was the expectation that there was going to be trouble on the boards, um, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. 
Like it seemed like David McCormick couldn't do anything to get it aboard. You know, we didn't have any of the guards getting in there and getting a bunch of boards like they normally do. But, but honestly, like the thing that jumped out to me the most as like the biggest problem was that we just couldn't finish at the rim. Ochai Abaji was one of nine from two. Um, David McCormick was two of six from two. Like he didn't even really get that many shots. Um, or, or I should say he actually got a decent number of shots. The problem was he was getting fouled and not finishing them, which, you know, some of those fouls were super ticky tack, like not ones that I probably would have called or shouldn't really have affected his shots. And he was missing all the other bunnies anyway. Um, you know, Brown was two of nine from two. Like Kansas just could not shoot from inside the arc. It's actually funny because, you know, they went 14 of 40 for 35% inside the arc. They went eight of 19 for 42% from three. Like that is just yeah. completely backwards. Not something you expect at all. I was most shocked, though, by the fact that, like, looking at Ken Palm, they still had 1.02 points per possession, um, which is actually an okay offensive number. It didn't seem like that. No, it didn't at all. Um, (laughs) But then you look at what TCU did, and they had 1.17, which was, you know, fueled by the fact that they rebounded 45% of their misses. (laughs) And that was a lot higher before, like, about the Kansas rally there to make it somewhat close at the end where you thought maybe, just maybe, they could – sneak back in too i think on twitter it was somewhere around 1.4 or something at one point right yeah boy it it just was bad like you said missing the two pointers was and because they got to the rim it seemed like kansas could get there and then just missed oh abaji was like you said pretty bad there so was brown and the mccormick enigma just i can't understand it i i I don't understand him I, i i he's so big he's so physical he he's cut and he just those tic-tac fouls, like you said, he misses them from two inches away, it seems like. I, I don't I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. I'm not well, a basketball analyst by any stretch. I, I just see what I see, and it just doesn't pass the eye test. I cannot believe he can't make more baskets. Well, and it's one of those things, too, that, uh, you know, like, I don't – I guess part of the reason I don't understand it is because he seems to struggle with the team, with the players that he is much more physical than. Um, yeah. almost like it throws off his shot, like he can't make it. But then he also struggles with people that are, you know, even just a little bit more physical than him. So he like needs that sweet spot, right? Where he is, he is overpowering them, but not by too much. Um, you know, or he's playing about even. Like he gets a guy that's more athletic or a guy that's taller than him, and he seems to have you know a bunch of problems. Like so now, Bill Self did kind of throw out there earlier in the year that he was dealing with a foot issue, and and if that's the case, if that's what's going on then it's it's fast approaching the point where you can't rely on him as the main guy down low. So you really need to start looking at KJ Adams or Zach Clements or even Mitch Lightfoot. Like as much as I don't think Mitch Lightfoot is the answer, a consistent Mitch Lightfoot that is getting minutes and knows what he's doing and you can game plan around that is much better than a David McCormick who is absolutely ineffective. You throw Mitch Lightfoot in as a kind of change of pace to, to try to do what you're trying to do and you haven't really game planned for it. Because right yeah. now the expectation is that David McCormick is going to go in there and give you effective minutes for about 25 minutes a game. And I would say last night he had effective minutes for probably about four. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm on team Zach Clements, to be frank. Like, if you're going to give him the chance, let's give him the chance because, he, he, you know, he's a freshman. Mitch is a 27th-year senior. He he is what he is. Zach is a guy that I, I, I don't want to have that little chance that he might escape via the transfer portal. Like, keep the guy happy. He's clearly a good player. He brings um, – I can tell you, I think he's a pretty dang good rebounder. He's got sure hands. He can step out and make a shot if you need him to. 
maybe we need something to spread it out. I, I have no idea. Open up that lane so these guys can make baskets at the rim a little easier. I have no idea, but I, I'm with you. You know, 15 minutes or 20 of McCormick, if that's all you can get, don't push the don't push the issue. Yeah, well, and and to be fair, Zach Clements looked like he was going to start having a role last night because he came in, got a defensive rebound, got a block immediately, and then got smacked in the face, you know, got a cut on his face. I believe he had to go back for stitches. Like, he should be good to go in tonight's game against TCU, but, uh, you know, he didn't even really get an opportunity to do anything in this game because he literally was out after getting... I mean, he just got elbowed in the face. It wasn't anything dirty. It wasn't anything, you know, like, oh my gosh, what the heck did TCU do? They were trying to take him out. It was, it was literally, hey, a guy was, you know, going up for a rebound and accidentally hit him and it's just bad luck. Um, Clements, I think is, you know, I, I think the small, um, the small performance that we got from him is enough that you can, Maybe get him in a little bit earlier, see what he can do against TCU on Thursday. Assuming, of course, he's good to go. Like, I, I'm not, I haven't heard anything right. for sure, but I also didn't hear anything that made me think that he was going to be out for an extended period of time. He just couldn't finish that game because yeah, you like had to gash, take care of it. looked like something they could right. figure out. Yeah, yeah. Like, they had to sew it up. Day. You don't want to try to go the rest of the game and play and then try to sew it up because that could be big problems. Um, right. but yeah, no. So, like, they had to go get that taken care of, but I'm sure that he has at least earned the, the possibility of playing more in this particular game. So, you know, this game was bad enough. I don't even know that I really want to single out any other players. Um, I mean, you know, other than to kind of say, yes, Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown had absolutely horrible shooting nights. Jalen Wilson was, I think, by far Kansas' best player in this game, and he only scored 13 points. And when that happened, started off hot. Right. Started off hot, and I thought that was a good sign considering how bad he was in the Baylor game. Well, it's weird, too, because kind of the they almost ball. just, they almost went away from him. Because right. he only had he only had eleven total shots, right? Oh, Chayabaji had seventeen shots. Christian Brown had eleven shots. I'm, uh, yeah, eleven shots. And David McCormick only had well six plus whatever, however many shots he had to foul with. But you know, like it, it seemed like when Jalen Wilson was going good, they went away from him and he cooled off. And so I, I think that's been my biggest complaint, um, and my biggest problem with this season. It's not that Kansas doesn't have talented guys. It's not that Bill Self is, you know, a bad coach or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. But it seems like this year has been very difficult for him to find the right rotation and stick with a hot hand. Like, if a guy is playing really well at the beginning of a game, um, like, those games seem to coincide with when Bill Self has already planned to go off on another tangent with someone else. If if nobody is able to get it going, right, if nobody's able to get it going, he doesn't seem to, like, throw the right guys out there to actually spark something. So I don't know if it's him struggling to identify the right people or guys just not stepping up or what you did mention Jalen Coleman lands just now. Like, I mean, what do you see from him? Well, for me, it's the guy makes baskets. Uh, He just, he, he makes baskets two of three from three last night and only seven minutes Uh, in the Baylor game too. I thought he deserved more time. You know, the K state game, I thought he deserved more time. Um, especially with their small guards. And I mean, the guy shoots and makes baskets. Sure. Does he offer much else? No, but on a day when, like you said, Kansas was shooting 42% from three point land. Uh, boy, I'd like to bump up that percentage a little bit more with Jalen firing away. Cause I have the utmost confidence that that's going to go in two thirds of the time with that dude. So, yeah, I think the biggest problem is you don't really know what you're going to get defensively from, right. from Coleman lands. And, and since defense has really been the issue for this team, Right. Like, I mean, yes, we, we talk about the offense going cold and you've got to balance those out. But last night was a defensive issue. I mean, when TCU scores 1.17 points per possession, 
you know, your, your, your defense really needs to put in some work. And so I just don't know who you take off the floor. Now there obviously comes a point where you're not getting any offense from anybody. You have to score to win the game. So if you're not getting any offense, I don't care how good your defense is. If you're behind by 10 points and you need to score, you got to get guys in that can score and just hope that they can get stops. So that's what I was going to say too. I mean, how do you feel about the idea of Kansas trying to outscore opponents when it's just, they, they, you know, they're a sieve defensively. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they have it, but on, on any given day, that team can put a hundred on the board, you know? So, geez, I don't know. I mean, I just want to see more of the guy that makes the baskets. I, I know yeah. there's a huge debate, a huge debate over Dewan Harris, but um, I like what he does when he's not shooting, but it's a black hole when he is. So, well, and, and and that's the thing too. Like you know, there's there's definitely the arguments about you don't want a guy that nobody's going to respect because he just doesn't shoot at all. But I also don't want Dewan Harris taking a bunch of shots. Yes, he can make shots when he needs to, but that's not his main game. And there are a ton of other really good shooters on this team. And so yes. when he's on the floor, you don't want him to be the guy taking you know fifteen to twenty shots a game. You want him the guy. You want him to be the guy that is going to take six or seven shots a game, is a threat to shoot it if they leave him wide open, so they have to actually pay attention to him. But other than that, is distributing the ball really well and playing absolutely phenomenal defense. For the most part, well, he I'm does that. Figure out if have they opponents that is figured out what he does on the drive because it looks like his dribble drive has basically gone away in the last several yeah. games. Yeah, that that was his main source of of offense early in the year. I, I think people have got or teams have gotten wise to it. Um, and kind of sagged off of, off of him to make sure that if he is going to try to score, that he can't go to that. Um, he I, honestly, I think he needs to be shooting more threes. There's been way too many times where he's wide open from three and passes it to another guy that's wide open as well. But like you have to get people to respect what you can do. He's a decent three point shooter. Like he's not phenomenal by any means, but he's decent. Um, you know, and that's really what you need. You need a guy. I mean, you, you, you excuse me, you look at his numbers, he's 12 of 43. So he's only shooting 28% of the year, but the times where he's shooting them for the most part, and I feel like I'm making excuses for him all the time. And I don't, I don't really think I, I, I actually am, but I know what it sounds like. Um, he, he is so averse to shooting when he has a good shot that the only shots that he's taking are guarded shots. He only shoots a three when he has to shoot a three. Um, when, when the defenses knows that he's going to have to take a three, um, or like the end of the shot clock or something like that. So it's a rush shot. So, but you watch his stroke. He's got a good stroke. He, he knows what he's doing. He is a good shooter. He just doesn't have any confidence in himself. And that's showing through in the stats. Yeah. And I wonder, um, I mean, for me, yes, if looked like he was going to break through as well. And, you know, he got 10 minutes yesterday, took two shots, made one of them. That was a two, I believe. Um, but the point guard situation went from, I thought, super deep to who knows now, you know, I mean, right. Remy looks a little erratic, although I think his Remy's defense looked a little bit better last night. If maybe I wasn't seeing, maybe I was seeing yeah. things, but it seemed like he was doing a little bit more than he normally would. His feet were moving better. Maybe that he's getting a little bit better. Remy um, just looks but, like he needs to settle in. Like he's at the point where you know what he can do offensively and he needs to like get in the flow of the offense you know that he's not as bad defensively as he's looked, and he started to settle in there as well. The The worry that I have with trying to rely on Remy Martin is that he's been away from the team for so long. He hasn't done 
he hasn't been super successful in the time that he's been with the team. Um, and so you would have thought that by now he could have gotten things worked out. There just hasn't really been a lot of time for them to build that chemistry. Hopefully they can get it figured out here pretty quickly. I'm hoping it becomes like a Malik Newman situation, right? Where all of a sudden everything clicks at the Big 12 tournament. And then you're looking at a Remy Martin as, as the main, you know, quote unquote main point guard that can come in and can really drive the way that this team plays in the big, in the Big 12 and then the NCAA tournament. You know, it's, you're running yeah, out of time for that sort of thing to happen though. Well, isn't that the kind of the thing we sort of look at? I've never really cared too much about the Big 12 tournament, but if we can use it as prep for some of these guys right. and get them flowing and ready to go for the big dance, uh, that could be more valuable than we think. And Clements is a guy like that. Like you mentioned, K.J. Adams as well. Every time that guy comes into the game, he makes some sort of impact, I feel. Um, and he needs to find his role. He, I mean, I feel like he's one of the guys that actually kind of knows, bring some energy. If that's only two minutes a game, that's fine. Um but all those guys, Yesifu, Martin, Clements, Adams, even Lightfoot, you know, we need to know what they're made of and, and get them confident, I think. Mitch has not looked so hot in the last couple of games. And, you know, like you said, a confident Mitch, a Mitch that's getting 15 or 20 minutes, a Mitch that, you know, can get into the flow. I mean, he had zero points and four fouls, I think, against Baylor. And yep. he comes out and, and – he made both of his free or his uh, field goal attempts against TCU and look better. Um, we need him to be able to contribute six and four, I think, for Kansas to be successful, especially with McCormick's foot, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think it really comes down to when I look at this team, I don't know anymore if Bill Self is playing for the tournament this year or if he's playing to develop guys for next year. Like he's out of time to play the long game in this season, right? So they're either building to what they're, what they're going to be like in the tournament or he's prioritizing making sure that the guys are going to be here next year are good to go and, and, and know what they need to do. You, you, but the problem is there doesn't seem to be a clear direction. He seems to be trying to do both and they're, they're counteracting each other and making it a lot more difficult for this team than it needs to be. So I think that's where I'm kind of stuck. Looking at this game coming up though, like the game tonight, you know, I don't know how much I actually expect to be different. Obviously, being in Lawrence, you're not going to, you know, you would hope that the uh, the whistles wouldn't be uh, slanted in the favor of TCU the way they were. Like, you would hope that the game would be less physical um, just because it seems like, you know, it, it, it seems like, especially in the Big 12 this year, the game has been or the game has been called in such a way at pretty much every location that favors the style that the home team likes to play. Kansas does not like to play a physical game. They like to play a fast, you know, you don't you don't let a lot of stuff go, but you know, if if someone's blowing by you and they, you know, tap you on the arm or something, they're not going to call that, but you know, if you body someone up, you're pr- there's probably going to be a call one way or another. That's usually what happens in Allen Fieldhouse. Um because like it or not, Typically, the way that the officials call a game is heavily influenced by whether people are going to yell at them or not from the stands. Um, and that's what we saw. Like, TCU likes to just maul people. And and Kansas has not handled that well. In fact, every no, single game they've played in they Texas. terrible against Texas when yeah. that happened in the second half, and this game was like, bad. Every single game in the state of Texas this year has been against a team that just likes to pound down low, and Kansas has not played well. Um yeah. They're, they're not built for that on the inside. But I mean, I, I don't, is, is there a specific player or a specific thing that you're expecting to see in this game tonight that, that you think will make this different? Or is this literally just going to be a Kansas needs to shoot better and that's it? I think it's going to be different just because 
Kansas has to play well. I, I think they had this buffer or whatever it is with the with the two game or a game and a half advantage. And um, oh yeah, you can let it slip. And even I kind of got into that with that Baylor. Okay, if that Baylor game's a bonus game if you win it. You, know, you don't go right. down there against the defending national champions and we'll beat them. And we were high twelve or something in the first half. And and so for me, it's I think KU's going to be awake. And I don't know if necessarily they weren't awake, but they looked a little step off. They missed the easy ones. They might have been a little leggy after the Baylor game. Um, of course, now it's just two days, you know, since the last one. So who knows? But um, you, like you said earlier, if they make the shots from three feet away, this game's a whole lot different. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I think different. I think really what it comes down to is that on such a short turnaround with two days playing the exact same team. The, the the team that's going to perform the best is the team that's able to handle adjustments the best. Kansas is the one that has to adjust the most, obviously, because what they did didn't work, um, which means that TCU is going to have to react in-game to what Kansas is doing differently. You give Bill Self 48 hours to come up with a new game plan and really hammer it home with his guys, I, I feel like he has a good opportunity to do that. The real question is going to be how well is Jamie Dixon able to adapt what TCU's doing with Kansas attacking them differently. So, I mean, if, if I had to pick one, I would pick KU in that one, uh, or I'm sorry, Bill Self in that particular matchup, but I'm not really sure what we're going to see. And, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, I don't I don't care how good the game plan is. If, if Ochai Abadji doesn't get out of this slump, if Christian Brown doesn't start hitting shots, if McCormick doesn't start making the ones that are two feet away, then Kansas is not going to do anything against anybody. They have to have this game, so I'm expecting them to come out and fire it up. But I hope so. Yeah, I think the anxiety inside Allen Fieldhouse, if things kind of go wanky in the beginning of this thing, could really affect things. If if everybody's sitting on their hands because KU has come up, made two of their first eleven, it's it's eight to one or something, you know, and then twelve to four or whatever it is, you know, you know, then the pressure's on. There's no pressure on TCU. They they already took care of us once, so this game on Thursday evening, I mean, come on, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, what it really comes down to, though, is I don't know that the 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 uneasiness inside of Allen Fieldhouse will really kick in until the second half. Like, yeah. this, this team has gone on so many dry spells in the first half and come back, and, you know, especially when they do it at home, the Fieldhouse is behind them the second that there's a spark that makes it look like they're going to go on a huge run, and that can easily snowball. If we get to that second half and we're, you know, we're like, eight minutes into the second half, so like 12 minutes left in the game and Kansas is behind by more than two or three points. And it, you know, they're, they're not shooting. Well, that's where I think people start to get uneasy. The pressure really starts to mount. Um, but I think it really just comes down to this team has to play better. So, all right, yeah, all right, Derek, I think, I think you've hit the, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm talking about early in the game, but you're right with how streaky this team is. That second half is essential and it only needs to be a two point TCU advantage with eight minutes to go or something. That people are going to be like, eh, yeah, so, for sure. All yeah. right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I am going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. When we come back, I'll be talking about the women's game that happened last night um, and what we can expect from them moving forward. But uh, Derek, thanks. Thanks for joining me. And, and we will be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. 
All right, so it's just me now recapping the game that happened last night for the Kansas Jayhawks. It was senior night for the women. Um, Anaya Thomas and Julie Brousseau, the two seniors for the Jayhawks. Um, technically, I think Anaya Thomas can actually come back next year if she decides to, but she did take part of all the festivities. I, I believe she's probably on her way out, uh, you know, even though nothing is is for certain. The Jayhawks, though, lost that game 70-60 to against the Texas Longhorns, team that they upset down in Austin earlier this year um, in overtime. Unfortunately, they just the story of this game was that they were not able to really contend with what Texas had inside. Lauren Ebo um, had had 12 points on 5-7 of seven shooting, uh, making two free throws, but she had seven total rebounds down low, including four offensive rebounds, and really took over the game early in the third quarter, which made it difficult for the Jayhawks uh, to really get going what they needed to do. Uh, Tiana Jackson, unfortunately, got four fouls. She was actually the only Jayhawk uh, that had more than two fouls until Anaya Thomas picked up a, an, another one late in the game. Um, but the lack of of her being able really to, to have an effect on the game uh, down low, especially in the fourth quarter as she was out for a good portion of that fourth quarter, really caused problems for the Jayhawks. She was also out for quite a bit in the second quarter because she picked up two quick fouls, um, which really, really just messed with what Kansas was trying to do inside. Um, Holly, Holly Kersgeeter had, uh, you know, she, she was six to 12 total with three of four from three. She finished with 18 points was the highest score for the Jayhawks. Um, only finished behind uh, Joanne. Yeah. Joanne Allen Taylor of the Longhorns who had 20, um, but unfortunately, her and Zakiya Franklin combining for, you know, uh, for the for 34 of the 60 points that the Jayhawks had just was not enough to get them over the hump tonight. Unfortunately, um, you know, it sends them out on a on a not so great note at home. Kansas definitely fought hard. Uh, they just were not able to get over the hump there. Like I said, that means that they now are finished or are locked into the fifth seed in the Big 12 championship that happens next week. Um, they will play. Depending on who, on whether they beat Oklahoma, if, if they beat Oklahoma, I believe regardless of what happens for Texas, um, Kansas will play Oklahoma again in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Um, or I should, I'm sorry, in their first game of the Big 12 tournament, not the first round, but, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Kansas is potentially going to be seeing Oklahoma twice in the next week. Um, otherwise they will be facing uh, they will be facing Texas. So, you know, it's it's one of these two teams that are facing this last week they're going to be facing as the first team in the Big 12 tournament because Kansas State lost uh, to West Virginia at home in double overtime this evening as well. Or, I'm sorry, yesterday evening as well. And so it's, uh yeah, it, it means that they're locked in. The game on Saturday doesn't really matter too much for them. Um, they can go out and give it basically whatever effort they can, um, you know, to, to, to try to build some momentum going into the postseason, but they are still very clearly a lock for the tournament at this point. It's hard to imagine with them playing Oklahoma, you know, on Saturday and then potentially playing either Oklahoma or Texas, even if they lost both of those games against highly rated teams, teams that right now are in the top 16, um, you know, in the, in the committee's released top 16. So it's, it's not possible for them to get a bad loss. I don't think anybody actually expects them to win either of those games. Um, you know, unless you're a Kansas fan, which means that, it's not going to hurt them to lose both of the games that they have remaining potentially before the tournament. So I fully expect Kansas to probably be on that nine or 10 line going into the, the NCAA tournament. And we'll just see how they, how they go at that point. This team has shown the ability to go to get hot and to, you know, upset some teams. 
and, and do a lot of different things throughout the year. So it's been a fantastic season for them, a team that, again, was picked 10th in the league coming into the year. Uh, so the fact that they finished in the top half of the conference was absolutely phenomenal for them. Uh, it's the most wins that they've had in conference uh, in a really, really long time. So this is, this is again, a great season for them, uh, you know, finishing it out strong against Oklahoma, potentially trying to avoid a four game losing streak against, you know, top 10, top 15 opponents throughout the rest of the season. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I'm actually going to be at the big tall tournament for the women's side uh, coming up next week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually getting to see the ladies in person and, you know, we can, talk about what they do there hopefully it's for more than just one game uh, and we can actually bring that coverage to you guys so we will we will be podcasting after each of those games um to get that to you guys as, as quickly as possible so but that is it for the women's side did want to talk just very briefly about uh the the spring practices that happened this week but first um you know the other news that's coming up before kansas actually plays against oklahoma this weekend um, you know, we've already talked about it a couple times this week, but just your your reminder again that Kansas uh, is now going to be, as of Saturday, part of the lineup for sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch of different stuff, more than 100 different schools available. And, of course, the most important being that they're getting Kansas this Saturday. This Saturday, 11 o'clock Central make sure you head on over to Homefield Apparel, take a look at the entire line. I have seen it. It is fantastic. I probably am buying the entire thing. It's absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, use promo code CHOCK12. Get yourself 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Again, I've seen the line. It's fantastic. It's finally here. Homefield is coming to Kansas. We will finally get to have some of that Homefield magic. Homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12. Get you 15% off your entire first order. All right, just finishing up really quickly. The uh, the spring practices for football happened this week. We actually have a kind of a takeaway over on Blue Wings Rising that talks about some of the things that came out of that first press conference. The things that really jumped out to me is that there, there were some players that had some injuries uh, dealing with some issues, Jalen Daniels being one of them. That I don't know that I was really necessarily expecting, but the important thing is that that the, is that the coaching staff was expecting that. That was something that they were well aware of. It's not something that crept, that crept up on them. The only person that was missing that seemed to catch some people by surprise um, was Gavin Potter, who was not in the first couple practices for whatever reason. We have no idea what the situation is. Lance Leipold would not elaborate. And honestly, I, I don't necessarily blame him, especially if it's a personal issue. But the the important takeaway is that Gavin Potter is not currently with the team, or at least was not as of Tuesday afternoon. Um, we're not really sure what the timetable is for him to come back. Jalen Daniels should be back. You know, he, he's actually at practice. Um, he was, you know, pictures taken of him kind of slapping hands with the guys and, and out there encouraging them and kind of making sure everybody knew what they were doing as much as he possibly could. So, um, yeah, he, he's supposed to be back in a couple weeks. But Kansas has a lot of new additions. Kenny Logan Jr. and Mike Nowitzki talked to the media, uh, you know, kind of talked about what's going on there and just how much of a difference it is this year compared to last year. I mean, even in the fall of last year where now they are just kind of getting better, working on personal development. They're not having to learn all the schemes as they're going at this point. So that's a huge improvement for the Jayhawks. If Kansas is going to take a big jump forward this year on the football field, it's going to be because they're able to use this time to work on fundamentals, to work on development and all that stuff and not having to learn brand new install for every single player on the team. So, um, but that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Derek, for joining me earlier on, on the first the first segment of the episode 
But uh, if you guys have not already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. So you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if not, for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice directly on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, which covers all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Head on over on Twitter at 1012 Network. You can get links to all the great shows to learn about everything that's happening in the Big 12 Conference, especially how it affects the Jayhawks. So, um, big thanks to Homefield for for being our sponsor here again. Promo code Chalk 12 gets you 15% off that entire first order, and you're going to want to order this week. So, uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.